This episode is supported by FX's Clipped, the scandalous story of the 2014 Clippers owner's racist remarks captured on tape and heard around the world. The series charts the tape's impact on a dysfunctional basketball organization striving to win against their reputation as the most cursed team in the league. Starring Lawrence Fishburne, Jackie Weaver, Cleopatra Coleman, and Ed O'Neill. FX's Clipped, streaming June 4th, only on Hulu. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Do you remember your first hole of golf? Although this isn't Ryan Alford's first ever hole, he made a splash today in his first ever PGA Tour event. On the first hole at the Farmers Insurance Open, Alford, who's a 25-year-old from Louisiana, he was a high school teammate of two-time PGA Tour winner Sam Burns. His opening tee shot, 295 yards to the left rough, almost on the other hole. His second shot went into the jar, 176 yards out, four eagle, his first ever PGA Tour hole. If that's not starting off your career with a bang, I don't know what is. Hello, friends. Welcome to this tradition unlike any... Did somebody scream mashed potatoes? That was mashed. <laughs> Welcome into Big Drive Energy. I am your host at Big Drive Spence, along with my brother here, friend, and uh, current. Currently, we're not playing partners because we're not doing a lot of playing out in this snowy ass finally cold state of colorado but uh, pro shop pro shop friend <laughs> we'll just be pro shop that's, buds that's kind of the limitation of our relationship at this point <laughs> mitchell smith at big drive mitch what's up dude how's, how's it going uh are you looking forward to this next month that you have going on aren't you taking off for uh, a different state here soon at some point yeah so i'm heading out to charleston to see our good buddy oliver um on the first of february so I'll be out there for five days. I think we're going to play golf a couple times at least. We may play the Ocean Course at Kiowa. Uh, I'm not quite sure if that's going to pan out yet or not. Cool for you, dude. So. Yeah. Spencer's just mega in his feelings about peanut me go- butter and jealous me going without him. But he's got wedding shit to do. I'm not going to try to drag him into my plans, get him in trouble. You know, I'm not that kind of guy. Um, I'm just looking out for his relationships. So I'm heading out to Charleston. And then uh, we are going down to Phoenix for the waste management, and I think we've talked about this, but we've ta- we've mentioned it in passing on the pod. But it sounds like we are going to have press credentials, which what a fucking mistake! Hopefully nobody listens to this from <laughs> from the. We may the not turn- have press credentials after this. Yeah, I, stay tuned. I kind of almost thought it would be fun. Like, what about making a splash? Where I get drunk and get drug out of there, like as a press member, quote unquote, like I'm well, just hammered, getting like drug out, like my feet are like dangling behind me, like I'm just blacked. That would put us on the map for sure. Yeah. Much like that one kid in his TikTok who got, what was it? He got bet $1,000 to run on the field in the, in Kansas in the City, divisional right? game in Kansas City. And Stefan Diggs laid the his ass out. Best hit of the game from Stefan Diggs, but maybe we reenact that. Maybe we could we put it well, on our TikTok. <laughs> that would probably go viral, I would think. 
Um, I'm also curious because the kid was up in the nosebleeds. Like, how do you make his way all the way down to the field or by the he he was like when they originally recorded the TikTok, he was up in the nosebleeds with his buddies. His buddies like, I'll bet you a thousand bucks. And then all of a sudden, the kid's on the field. Like, well, we you know we there had to be some logistics behind that. Well, yeah, you know, I mean, in oh, a divisional shit, you know. play, in a divisional playoff game, that's obviously a full stadium. Probably a little tougher to do, but. We were the kings of sneaking down. So a little story for you guys. Um, when we were kids, we'd go to Rockies games, go to Nuggets games, all this stuff. And I just had it in my like, in my being. Spencer I, couldn't survive if we weren't as close as possible to the court, to home plate, to the rink, to the football. Like we, Spencer's whole mission the entire game was to get better seats. Like it didn't matter what was happening in the game. And I was just like sitting there like, can we fucking watch the game? Spencer's like, bro, you see those empty seats? Nobody's been sitting in those. We got to go fucking get, get in those. How do we sneak into those? I'm like, dude, just fucking sit here and watch the game. Thankfully, we've been fortunate enough now to where we we uh, can afford to sit in the lower bowl pretty much whenever we want. So we don't need to sneak into better seats. But if Spencer, I, I think he would still do it. If we were sitting up top, Spencer would still be like, Bro, let's sneak down into these seats. Let's go do this. He's just a fucking weirdo like that. I've never... Do you have any explanation for yourself? Well, I will say... So, when we were... We used to have Nuggets season tickets. Well, we still do. But we used to have them up top in 362. Cheapest possible seats you could find. Behind the basket, up top. Row one, or I think it's called row four. We were on the aisle. And this is like when we were 16, 15 years old. So we could first start driving. I could first start driving us to the games finally. Um, you know, the the permanent DD. Uh, just kidding. We were both. Neither of us were drunk because we were 16 and 15. Um, yeah, we didn't do that. Mm-mm. That's not us. But <laughs> they, we, so we'd go to the games and I'd always look down and we'd always see seats in like 140s, like right behind the Nuggets bench. I'd be like, it's not that hard to get down there. Some of the people don't even check your tickets as long as we have an open seat. Because as much as I wanted to sit down there, I still think it's extremely awkward when you're sitting in the wrong seats and somebody comes down and like straight up calls you out. Um, that was my biggest fear all the time when you did that. that yeah, was but what it was I hated. still worth, like if you see a game and somebody hasn't sat there for the first half, generally you're in a pretty good spot to go sit in those seats. And I like to grab where there's like, six seats in a row open because then you can scoot over. You're like, oh, just missed the seat number. Anyways, one Fraud. game we went to, this lady from the Nuggets actually came up and she was like, hey, do you guys want to do this this thing where you get courtside seats for free? Um, it's, like a, it's like a game you play on the court and whatever. And Mitchell and I are like so stoked. Like I am, I am buzzing up there in Spencer lives for that shit. And he, she goes, well... Okay, you know, stand by for a second because I already asked this other guy, but he was by himself and he said his girlfriend or wife is coming. And so we'll kind of have to see. We'll give him a few minutes, blah, blah, blah. So I see this idiot on his phone, like calling his wife, like, oh my God, we got courtside seats. You got to get up here as fast as you can, blah, 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 blah. And long story short, they end up getting the courtside seats. We don't. It was a Laker game, too. Like, Back when it was like Kobe, Probably 10, and, 12 years ago, yeah, it was like Kobe and Pau Gasol and those guys, and and uh, so long story short, I sat there and stared at the people sitting courtside in the seats that we should have gotten, and so I'm always trying to get lower. I'm always trying to get closer to the action. Yeah, Spencer's got some weird deal about that. But going back, I mean, maybe we make a scene, but <laughs> then it then it looks bad on you know DNVR, and we don't. Yeah, but that. any pub's good pub, right? Usually, Wolf of Wall Street. Usually, yes. Yeah, I, <laughs> but they I, have to identify you. Well, yeah. Like we I mean, there's to, gonna be a mugshot. Well, me all cross-eyed. No, I think you just gotta spend a night in the drunk tank. But we have to get it on video. First of all, we have to get it on. Video. Have to get tagged. But also, being at the waste management open, as a, as some people call it, the wasted management. There's gonna be a lot of people a lot drunker than we are. And I heard from someone. I don't know if it's like this with press credentials. But on the 17th hole, which is largely the coolest spot in, 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 in 
for Six, a 16th hole. 16th hole, excuse me, for a viewing purposes is the coolest spot in any any place in golf. Yeah. Because on the PG players too. are wearing jerseys, they're coming onto the course with uh, a bunch of know, swag to throw out. Swag like, to throw out. The crowd can actually cheer before them they up. hit. Yeah, they pump electric. up the crowd. Like this is the only time you'll see that in the game of golf in the professional game of golf in the entire war in the entire year. So make sure you tune in for that. Tune in for sixteen. They usually have like a just a general camera that stays on sixteen. Like a lot of their oh, coverage for sure, will be like yeah. oh the like the sixteenth hole. Uh, and it's just such no an matter who's factor. hitting on the the hole, they'll still show it exactly. And and if there's a hole in one on that hole, it's basically a fucking giant party. Party, but you I heard that if you're on that hole and you got like a really good seat and you get there early in the morning, like you have to piss in like a bottle. Yeah, you, you can't, can't leave. leave, and that gives me anxiety because once I start drinking, I'm pissing every half hour. hour. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, I'm a little worried about that. I don't know what it's going to look like. I think we with can probably come and go as we please if we have press credentials. Um, yeah, we'll have to feel out the whole alcohol scenario with press credentials. Like, I don't... Because I think we have to act to a higher standard, which is already a tough ask of both yeah, of us. Yeah, that's, that's a big one. But we, I think we can do it. For a day. For a day, yeah. For a couple days, I think so. Um, I am excited, too, because we're going to... The third uh, Wednesday, excuse me, practice round where all the celebrities and they do uh, the guy from Th- PHNX was telling us that they do a like a celebrity hole in one challenge and like Larry Fitzgerald will be there and a couple other couple other celebrities. So I'm excited to kind of see that. And and Wednesday is when you can get up close and talk to the players more. They're not so locked in on the tournament trying to win millions of dollars. So I'm looking forward to creating some cool content and just kind of, you know, meeting meeting some of the players and getting to see like what it's like for a practice round where they're not grinding, they're not, you know, they're not taking it as serious. So I'm kind of excited to see what that's like. For sure. Uh, yeah. It's going to be super cool to just be a, a part of the experience. And uh, like I said, like Spencer also said, this is our first time doing this shit. We have no idea what we're doing. So why not just get thrown in the middle of it and kind of see what happens? I will say though, when have we, is there any other tournament in golf where we have FOMO getting credentialed and like being in the ropes and not being in the stands. Is there any other tournament where you would rather be in the stands than in the ropes? I don't think no, that's even a question. Absolutely. not. So maybe we picked the wrong tournament to, to walk out and somehow get some sort of accreditation too. So uh, we'll see what happens. But like Spence said, it's going to be a blast. Uh, we're going to try to make some good content. Obviously we're content machines. Uh, so keep an eye out on our Twitter. We're going to be posting all over the place. So, uh, yeah, I'm really looking forward to it, but South Carolina is going to be awesome too. Uh, get to play some golf out there and bum around in Charleston, probably do a little bit of drinking and, uh, whatever. I, I mean, I think that kind of, we talked a lot about what the fuck I'm doing for the (laughs) next month. Spencer's getting married. So everybody congratulate him on that. Um, and that's kind of ruining my month personally. It's not ruining my month. It's going to be blast. Um, but Spencer's got a lot of obligations, uh, in the next month to take care of, to button up everything. Um, I think his fiance listens to this podcast, so I'm going to, I'm going to toss it over to Spencer before I, (laughs) I say something stupid. No, yeah, I am getting married. I'm pretty fucking stoked for it it's gonna be a fun weekend we got a lot of people coming out from a lot of different places in the in the country and it's just gonna be a party you know i'm excited to um to get it you know have have that day come because uh i haven't done a lot of the planning but the it's a lot of work kylie's been doing a lot of work so shout out to her but the the overall day and like the weekend is going to be a blast like just the anticipation is the toughest part and like making sure everything's put together i wouldn't know because obviously it's not my wedding but uh it just seems like the everything that builds up to it is almost it's like christmas you know you build up for months months and months you get so excited listening to christmas music and then it's one day and then it's gone you know so it's it's almost the anticipation part that's more fun, but also more nerve wracking, at least in my opinion. But once that day comes, it's going to be so much fun. Um, we're going to see how I fare when it comes to the bar. Um, I'm not sure what my tab is going to look like. It's an open bar, so you're good. It's fully open. Yeah. Holy fuck. Okay. 
well, somebody's going to need to stretcher me out of there, but we'll cross that bridge when we come to it. Um, but other than that, you have any plans for February? Uh, other than the waste management, no, just uh, hanging out. Probably. We are going to play uh, Phoenix Country Club down in uh, Phoenix, obviously. Great track. Yeah, with our good buddy Eric Hallberg. Shout out to E-Hall. Um, He's been on the podcast. Yeah, I know. That's E-Hall, what I'm saying. friend of the program. Yeah, good friend of the program. Um, he's a member there, Rough Life. And so I think we're playing out there, mu- or, um, Jesus, Friday morning is when we're playing out there. And that so that's where they host the, the Champions Tour uh, finale. So it's like their year-end deal. And so to give you any idea, it's pretty top choice golf course. It's only it's actually one of the only Parkland style golf courses in Phoenix. Like how many other courses have you ever seen in Phoenix that is lush green, rough trees, like pine trees, everything like that? Have you ever seen one? No, I don't think I have. Phoenix Country Club is that. So And I, for those of you who don't know what Parkland style is, um it's more of like a Scottish term or a a term over like o- across the the sea. Uh, what is pond uh, across the pond thank you good lord um but there's parkland style courses where more they're more inland and they're more tree line they've got thicker rough they're not like you're on the ocean they're not as exposed things like that so parkland style is more tree lined tighter fairways uh but yeah it's kind of one of a kind down in phoenix really so it's going to be a lot of fun to check that track out um, I give myself an over under. I actually had a crazy dream last night. I think I shot. I, I had a dream that we were playing it, and I shot seventy four, and I feel like that's low because I'm gonna be drinking, and I also have played once. I played once in Tampa. Um, actually, maybe the the few rounds in Charleston will kind of tune me up for Phoenix. I don't know. Maybe I'll toss out a. A decent round, maybe somewhere around par, but we will obviously report back to everybody with those results in a few weeks. Um, Other than that, Spence, should we get into last week's PGA Tour event? Yeah, let's talk a little bit about last week's PGA Tour event, the American Express. And uh, pretty crazy win for Hudson Swafford, Georgia Bulldog. So it's kind of funny. Georgia's having a good little run here because, first of all, you had them win the national title in football obviously over Alabama what a dub then you have anybody then you have Hudson Swafford come in and win the American Express kind of from nowhere hasn't been playing the best of golf but as we've known and and kind of since we've started this podcast and the last year of the PGA Tour guys come out of nowhere and that's part of the fun of our big bet energy bets which you guys should follow Mitchell's on a complete heater we'll get into that a little bit later even though as we're recording this Wednesday afternoon, it fucked me up because the tournament this week has already started. Uh, the Farmers Insurance Open over at Torrey Pines already begun there. The, the PGA Tour did a great job in starting this thing on a Wednesday, finishing it up on a Saturday so that they don't have to interfere with the AFC and NFC Championship games. And yeah, not, they don't have to compete with, with them for ratings, which is, I think, their main motive there. Yeah, because we know football rules all. Um but Hudson Swafford kind of came out of nowhere and put together four good rounds. He was kind of never really thought of as the leader. And unfortunately, my pick last week, Patrick Cantlay, plus 900 to win the tournament, led the field after both days. After the first couple days, he goes into the weekend with the lead. And I knew, I knew that was bad mojo. I told Mitchell 15 times. I was like, this is not good. Like, when you look at PGA Tour events, if you pay attention week to week to week, generally the guys that win, I would say guys win wire to wire, as in they have the first round lead and the they win the tournament 5% of the time, and that may be generous. Yeah, it's probably between 3 and 5% of the time. Now, Patrick Cantlay was a good enough player and has good enough rounds there and history there that he could have made it happen, but yeah. he didn't. He didn't even finish in the top 10, I don't believe. <laughs> Do you know who did finish in the top 10? Willie Z, plus 400. My boy Willie Z, cash that shit. Love it. Um, But yeah, the funny thing was, was so if nobody heard the uh, hot mic from John Rahm, um, he was caught in the middle of the final round, and I say this word for word. It was actually Friday's round. Was it Friday? Mm -hmm. Oh, did it It get posted on Sunday? Yep. Okay. Um, 
so it was in the middle of Friday's round, excuse me, and his word-for-word word quote was, what a fucking joke, this is a fucking putting contest. Like, at which, it really, the course didn't look that, it's one of the more t- challenging tee to green courses on tour. Like, I don't really see how it was a putting contest. Um, so I did a little bit of digging, and the players that finished in the top three last week, it was Hudson Swafford, Tom Hoagie, and Lanto Griffin. So not a super star-studded uh, household name type of leaderboard, but Lanto Griffin is the highest out of the three of them in strokes gained and putting for the year. I couldn't find the, the tournament stats last week, um, but for the year, Lanto Griffin is 56th in strokes gained putting, so by no means an elite putter. Um, and then Hudson Swafford, who won the event, is 95th on tour in strokes gained putting, and Tom Hoagie is 101st, or he's he's between 101.10 in strokes gained putting. So none of them are world beaters. Nobody's fucking Corey Pavin, if anybody gets that reference. Uh Great putter. Um, who's another really good putter? Nobody's nobody was Patrick going. Cantlay. Luke Donald, Patrick Cantlay. Uh, so I think you still had to hit the ball pretty damn well. Uh, but congrats to Hudson. That's his third career tour win. Uh, he's a dog. Can we talk real quick about the the Georgia golf team when Hudson Swafford was there? Have we ever discussed this? No, I don't think we have. Absolute unit. Yeah, it was Kevin Kisner. Hudson Swafford, um, Harris English, and, well, I think Patrick Reed was on the team at that time. Um, let me, let's do some quick research. And then, oh, Russell Henley. I think they were legitimately all on the same team. So, uh, Swafford graduated in 11. Let's see, Henley... We're doing some research here, folks, so you don't have to. Um, yep. So you don't have to. <laughs> Russell Henley, yeah, it's like it's our job. Uh, Russell Henley also graduated in 11, so same team as Swafford. Um, Harris English. What year? This this is 2010, 2011. Harris English was a senior. Russell Henley was a senior. Keith Mitchell was a freshman. Okay. And Hudson Swafford was a senior. And what about... We're miss. Oh, I think Patrick Reed was gone at that point. Let's see what year Patrick Reed graduated from college. But Patrick Reed didn't play at Georgia, right? Didn't he, he played go a to year? Like Augusta and got State kicked out. Yeah, so, but they ended up facing Augusta State in one of the NCAA finals. And then Patrick Reed win. Yeah, or they. I'm sorry, Georgia got knocked out in like the quarterfinals. They faced Oklahoma State in the finals, which is also a a crazy stacked team, all time team. Yeah. Uh, so Patrick Reed was 2011. So yeah, they were literally that is five PGA Tour players on one team at a time. That's fucking insane. Go dogs! Yeah, the dogs have an unbelievable golf program. Um, if you didn't know, so yeah, they uh they fucking produce some winners. That's for damn sure. Yeah, well, and going back to John Rahm and just his comments, I I think. The funny thing about it, too, is that so with this tournament, with the American Express, they set it up basically to be like okay to play for amateurs for the first three days Um, because there's amateurs like on the course and the way the way the tournament is set up, the pins tend to be in the middle of the green on the flatter areas. And then on the fourth day, they set it up for the pros only make it a little tougher. But this, of course, happened on Friday. And this this hasn't been. This hasn't been John Rahm's first criticism of golf and saying, you know, basically saying it's too easy tee to green. Yeah. Which, and ironically, when we previewed this tournament, we talked about them building this course, Pete Dye, and the, and the designers or the, the architect. No, he was the architect the and the designer, but the owner saying, make this the hardest course in the world. Make it the hardest course in America, the hardest course you can possibly make it. So it's kind of funny to for John Rahm to speak out. And, and this isn't the first time a player's spoken out about course conditions. Of course, we know Phil Mickelson. 
he's a guy that speaks out against the USGA almost every single year, especially in the U.S. Open, yeah. because he's finished runner-up six different times. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and so he... Yeah, I think, not to cut you off, but I think Ron was just a little salty. Like, he just didn't play... He played well. I mean, he's the number one player in the world, obviously. He's going to play well. Um, not every week, but he played pretty damn good. What, will you look up what he finished last week real quick? Um, well, so he started the day, um, he started Sunday's round, five shots off the lead and was 13 under par. So, I mean, he wasn't really that like that far off, but he was the tournament favorite. Of course, again, he had like some crazy, yeah, crazy some odds that like you don't even consider betting on. Once again, why we never bet like the favorite favorite because... What was he probably plus five or six hundred? Yeah, he was basically plus five or six hundred. And when you're competing even my with guy, 130 other players, yeah, even my guy players. Patrick Cantlay, who was leading the whole time, finished ninth. He was only plus nine hundred. So let's see, John Rahm finished t fourteen. Okay, so yeah, he finished a a little bit ways back, but I think, like I said, he just he's that kind of dude that's got such an ego, and not necessarily in a bad way. Um, because you do have to be pretty proud of yourself and pretty into yourself to play good golf. Uh, I think we talked about this at some point on an earlier pod, but with golf, it is such a it can be such an ego shattering thing and and such a mind controlling thing that if you legitimately don't think you can do something, there's no way you'll be able to do it. And it's only you. It is literally you hitting the shots, making putts, putting up numbers. It, there's no teammate to rely on. There's nobody to place any blame on. It is your golf game, your golf swing, your putting stroke, your mental capacity to to handle it. So a lot of these guys have egos that are just like untouchable. And Spencer's accused me of this a million times is blaming the course. That's always something that you can blame the course for. Now, I'm not shooting 68 and blaming the course for being too easy. I'm shooting like 75 and being like, well, you see that divot I was in that totally fucked me or, you know, I got a bad bounce here. Golfers are always full of excuses. So if you golf, you know what it's like. Excuse, excuse, excuse. Because otherwise, if it's not anybody else's fault, whose fault is it? It's yours. Ha. And John Rahm doesn't want to face that shit. So that's why I think he does that. Like even Spencer mentioned, what did he say about Kapalua? Well, so going back to, yeah, Kapalua, he basically said it was too easy, and he was in a, which is an amazing thing to think about for any of you guys that have ever played golf out there, I've never once thought the game was too easy, and I feel (laughs) like I'm okay, like I'm pretty good, and I've never said to myself, like, this shit was too easy. Now, granted, they're on a completely different level from a completely different level above where I'm at, and I'll, I'll fully admit that, but for them to come out and just say, it was too easy and get kind of like upset about it is a little con- not concerning for the PGA tour, but it's not, not the actual idea of what's happening is concerning, but him saying that is a bit concerning. I think from, for them, they, they don't want, they don't want bad pub. Like just like we don't want to get dragged out of the wasted management. They don't want bad pub on their golf courses in Kapalua without the wind, without the rain. It was, it was an easy setup. I mean, it was just a birdie fest, but I also think that they need to turn that around, and as long as they don't get the players saying negative things about the golf course, that was fun to watch. And I think a lot of people really appreciate how good the pros are when they see that. Because let me ask you this. How many people, just your standard, everyday, average 18 handicap golfer that loves watching golf, ever gets to play any of these courses? Ever. Yeah, it's pretty rare. I mean... Kapalua, I would say, is one of the more accessible places, relatively speaking, on the PGA Tour, because you can go stay there. I mean, flying to Hawaii, I'm not talking about expenses, I'm talking about accessibility. Uh, A lot of these places you you will never touch foot on, guaranteed. Um, But yeah, like, very rarely do these players go, or does the general public get to play on the same course as these tour players get to play on? Yeah, and so my point is they're watching tournaments where guys are going like 32 under, 33 or under 34, whatever Cam got to that week, the first week at the Tournament of Champions, and they're like truly impressed by it. And I'm not saying that the general public needs to be impressed by these players in order to watch it, 
but it's more impressive than like the winner being nine under, ten under, because even though to to us that have either played the courses or understand how hard the game really is, we appreciate those tournaments. We appreciate the ten under winners because we know that even being this was actually a thing that the uh, golf.com posted a tweet yesterday. And, you know, and, and like they always they always have pretty thoughtful tweets of like eliciting responses from people. And they said, what's the hardest golf course you ever played? And I responded with Whistling Straits. You know, it's by far and away the hardest golf course I ever played. I played Colorado Golf Club. And yeah, I mean, I didn't play as well. But I mean, it's not in, in the same for me personally, especially in, being in the at conditions. Altitude. Yeah. But when I played Whistling Straits, I wasn't even really practicing, but I hit some of the better shots that I've ever hit in my life. Just like, oh, that's tearing down the flag, or oh, that drives in play. You know, I hit a few drives. In, <laughs> I hit a few drives in Lake that's, Michigan. That's 100%. hot for Spencer when he's like, oh, I can find that one. No, but that is that's a real thing for me. But <laughs> I hit a lot of flag, like tearing down the flags on that whole the seventh hole shipwreck. I hit like this ho- horribly thin four iron and ended up an inch, uh, two inches away. And I tapped in for birdie. Like shots like that were happening for me, and I still didn't shoot under eighty. Didn't keep my exact score, but it was right around that eighty to eighty-four range. Wait, real quick, you've played Whistling Straits? Yes, I have. I never mentioned that on this podcast Get until out. now. Um, but now that I've mentioned it, I did play there. And but truly, like a lot of these people that just play random courses, normal, you know, your normal Muni, your normal Valley of Fun. You know, you shoot eighty-four, eighty-five. You're like, wow, there's pros out there shooting eighty-four, eighty-five. But those courses are a million times as hard as like and that's why going back to some of the arguments that we said what would make the PGA Tour more fun I I think putting a random good player an amateur out there with the competitors would be a great thing and actually let me find this tweet because this was uh, this was a good tweet from um let me find this I'm going to Basically talking about, I think in the last LPGA Tour event, there were players that were um, keeping their score. No, there were no like there were pl- there were amateur golfers playing in that's, the event. That's what I meant. Amateurs like actually keeping their score. Yes, and keeping so, legitimate scores. So here we go. So here we go. Ever wondered how you would fare in an LPGA event? This is from Tom Abbott GC on Twitter. Uh, celebs are playing the stable for this week from the same tees and through three rounds, Nelly Corda was 13 under and Marty fish. Who's well-known tennis player, a plus 2.8 handicap was plus eight. That's insane. Yeah. Derek Lowe, who's a plus 0.2 handicap was a plus six. Uh, Alfonso Ribeiro is a a 0.3 handicap. He was plus 24. Josh Beckett, former Marlins pitcher, Dodgers, Red Sox pitcher. So great. is this is this a stable is this Stableford scoring or is this gross scoring? No, this is gro- their gross scores. Oh, okay. But they're talk they were playing a Stableford event, so they didn't look. That's this what had like, me fucked up. I was like, oh, positive numbers. That sounds good. No, no, they, they were okay. playing a Stableford, so these aren't the scores that were like posted. Okay. But this is what these guys were actually shooting, and Josh Beckett was plus twenty seven through three rounds. Wow. So 81, 81, 81, he's a 2.7 handicap. Nelly Corda's 13 under. Playing the same tees, yeah. which that's something that gets talked about a lot is like, oh, would a, would a guy playing on an LPGA event, just because he has the distance advantage, we know that, over most LPGA Tour players, let's put it that way, a, g- a really good amateur golfer that yeah. hits at 270, 280 is going to have at least a little bit of a distance advantage. These guys are still shooting 8-9 over par. Yeah, which... And that's that's really the difference, in my opinion, between like really like professionals and good amateurs is like being able to capitalize on wedges and just being that dialed in from 150, 125 and in. Because like Spencer said, you get that yardage advantage if you're playing a different tee. Usually the ladies play from 6,500 yards somewhere in that ballpark. So it's not long, but it's not short by any means um it's not a pitch and putt let's put it that way but you have to be able to capitalize that's the difference between those ladies out there making birdies and eagles versus these dudes playing the same tees they have 120 in they miss the green they make bogey you know that that is such a a huge key for 
scoring and and like Spencer said that it's an age old debate like oh you put you put like a scratch golfer on an LPGA course can they compete with the LPGA golfer absolutely not that's flat out disrespectful and asinine to even consider so we'll put that one to bed but yeah honestly Rom too kind of circling all the way back let's bring it all the way back uh he's been known as like a salty player He's had his fair share of temper tantrums. He's a Spaniard. And so everybody automatically thinks Sergio Garcia. And Sergio, if you look at his career, kind of the same thing. He's got that attitude. He's got that that fire in his belly. Um, one of the funniest things I think I've ever seen was Sergio Garcia having a tantrum like a five-year-old in a bunker in Dubai where he like fucking just scoops one, goes right under it. It rolls back down to his feet. He just hops right up there, digs in, hits it, and before the it's even gone, he is like thrashing his club through the sand, <laughs> like he's trying to build a fucking house in there, uh, like he's excavating. And it was, I mean, it was all over the internet. This is probably a couple years ago. And credit to Sergio, he's a dad now. He's he's a changed man. He actually does seem like a pretty good dad. You know, it's pretty evident over social media. You can really tell how good a parent is over social media. So. But no, it seems like Sergio's matured a little bit. He is in his 40s now, so you'd like to to hope that he wouldn't be having outbursts like that. But that has been kind of a Spaniard thing where uh, everybody just assumes they've got an attitude and they've got uh, like this chip on their shoulder. And for John Rahm, I think it's, I wouldn't call it low class, but I mean, dude's number one in the world. You don't fucking, it, it, like... Honestly, I think the only person that can say the course was too easy was the person that won. You know what I mean? Like, whenever somebody rolls into Spring Valley, they're like, oh, your course is easy. What'd you shoot? 88. Okay, shoot the course record and tell me it's easy. You know, like, why didn't Hudson Swafford say it was too easy? Good fucking question. So, John Rahm, it's just a, a fucking, he wants a margarita, throw a little salt on the rim for him because he's uh, he just doesn't like losing, which nobody does, but... Chill the fuck out, dude. You're number one in the world. You're not going to win every week. Shocker. That's not how golf works. You're not Tiger Woods. Yeah. And so honestly, take a fucking I, seat. Honestly, I think that like as much as the PGA Tour doesn't want them calling out their setups or their courses, I think that video is just great for content. I fucking loved it, to be honest. <laughs> like, seeing a, seeing a player throw well, a Anything behind the ropes like that, yeah. Those are great. Then they're great for as much as the PGA Tour wants to stay buttoned up, they've develop this whole player impact program people are doing things but now, this was a like, random dude videotaping no that. i understand that was, I understand that was not that. captured by the pg i understand tour. that but now how many people watched that video a lot i'm sure like zyre golf is a really big instagram page that does just like golf posts i'm sure there's probably close to a million views just on their instagram page of that video so yeah i mean it's for sure getting publicity, but and it goes back to also kind of in all walks of life. When somebody doesn't like something, of course they're of course they're gonna fucking say something. If somebody likes something, have you ever heard a PGA Tour Pro go like caught on a hot mic going like I just fucking love this course? Like all oh, these it's so pure, it's so hard, I just want to get after it today <laughs> like no that, that doesn't funny. exist like you're only going to say something if you don't like it so i yeah i don't love the whole rom it, like i said it's it's good for the tour whatever but rom needs to pick and choose his spots it's the fucking american express he's not walking around oakmont what a, you have to understand what's not every pg tour course is going to be super challenging for tour pros all uh, the Tournament of Champions at Kapalua, where multiple scoring records were set. So you just have to understand the time and the place. It's the California swing. Even look at how easy Torrey Pines is set up this week. Guy shooting eight under in the first round, six, seven under. Granted, they're probably playing the north versus the south. Um, but let's actually get into that a little bit. Let's talk about, so it was a Wednesday start. We're recording this Wednesday night. So I'm glad we put our picks out last night. Hopefully if you're if you're trailing me, Faden Spencer, you saw him last night. So you could get on the, the DraftKings Sportsbook app. 
and get those locked in. Um, speaking of DraftKings. DraftKings Sportsbook. Putting you right in the action. Right up in it. We yeah. are in the AFC and <laughs> NFC championships. We are in the blah, blah, blah. <laughs> we are in the AFC and NFC championships this weekend, and DraftKings Sportsbook is giving you the chance at 56 to 1 odds. All you have to do is download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use that now. promo code. Now. Do it now as you're listening to this podcast. Use the promo code DNVR, and they're giving you 56 to 1 odds on a $5 bet. On All you have to do is pick a team to win this weekend. If I was a betting man, which I am, I would be taking the Kansas City Chiefs. So you go in there, you place a, you pick your first deposit, you place a $5 bet, you win $280 in free bets. If the Kansas City Chiefs, all they have to do is win. All they have to do is beat Joe Cool and the Bengals. So log into the DraftKings Sportsbook app now, and if you're already an existing user, try the same game parlay. So click on one of the games, flip the button to same game parlay on, to the right, and pick some touchdown scores. Pick some overs. I guarantee you this weekend in the Chiefs-Bengals game, there's going to be a lot of scoring. There's going to be some scoring from Hill. There's going to be some scoring from Kelsey. So you can parlay all of these picks together and make it so that you win more money off of a, little, a small bet. So New Year's, 56-1 to 1 odds, Super Bowl 56 coming up. And then existing users, make sure you use that code and get your picks in because same game parlays are my favorite, especially when there's like one or two football games on, which this weekend there's only two left. So make sure you download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use that promo code DNVR and get 56 to 1 odds on a $5 bet. New customers only. Must be 21 or older. Colorado only. Restrictions do apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details. If you have a gambling problem, call 1-800-522-4700. All right, real quick, getting into the Farmers Insurance Open this week at Torrey Pines. Great golf course. Maybe... You said Kapalua is one of the most accessible golf courses. This may be the most accessible golf course. Public course. Yeah. People can show up there and play it. I think you get a discount if you're a San Diego resident or not. Oh, big discount. Um, but it's a quick turnaround for the players going from a Sunday afternoon finish to flying down to Pal- the Pal- Palms, or what is it called? Palms. Palm Desert? Palm Springs. Palm Springs. There we go. Palm Springs. And playing you at Tori. the players. What are you talking about? The players. Quick turnaround for the players. Oh, like for the event players, I, I like see, the players in the event, not the yeah, players' yeah, yeah. championship. Um, that's not yet. We're not not there okay. Yet. That's where I was like, for the player. Uh, yeah, uh, but so quick turnaround for for the golfers. How does that sound? That better? Yeah. And they're so. What do you? I got a question for you. What do you think about these? So all three California tournaments that we're in this little swing right now: the American Express, Farmers Insurance Open. And next week, um, which is the... Wow, look at Spencer bringing up shit that he doesn't have in front of him. Dude, I do that all the time. (laughs) Yeah, Pebble Uh, Beach Pro-Am. Oh, okay. So this little California swing, they... At each tournament, they play separate courses on separate days, depending upon, you know, your draw. What do you think about that? Do you think that takes away from the tournament? Do you think that takes away from the field? Is there a certain type of player that you think succeeds more in that or is it just a luck of the draw type of scenario i think it's it's definitely like a luck of the draw type of deal because what normally happens is there's going to be one decent weather day well and it all it it all is kind of weather dependent and wind dependent but what i always seem to catch was the bad draw when i miss cuts as i was like oh i got the bad draw which if you ever hear a pro golfer say that that means um, say you're playing two courses or usually in the first two rounds of a PJ tour event, any professional event, whatever you will play one morning round and one afternoon round. You won't start both mornings, especially before they make cuts. You'll either start Thursday morning in the morning or Friday in the morning and then Thursday afternoon, Friday afternoon. So it all depends on the draw you get for the weather I can imagine that out just I haven't played that much golf in California, but I would think that an afternoon draw when it's warmer would be more beneficial because as everybody knows, when you're playing golf out in California, and if you didn't know this, the marine layer, the very thick air 
that sits right off the coast makes it super challenging to to get any distance out of the ball to gauge your yardages. Um, you, it's super humid out there because you're right next to the fucking ocean. I mean, it literally is coming off the ocean onto the golf course. Um, but I don't know if there's certain like so this week, for instance, the south course is by far the more challenging course than the north course. I want to say they pulled up a stat today when we were watching golf that last year's, um, I, I want to say it was last year's event, and I could be wrong, don't quote me on it, but they kept stats of all the finishers on which course. I think the north course graded, or the, the players, the field played the north course in like 80-some under, and the field, uh, the field played the south course in like 30-some over. So that's a huge discrepancy, um, everything considered, where no matter how you break it down, it's it's at least a shot a player. Yeah. Like, there is at least one to two shots of difference. And just scrolling through, once again, we're recording this Wednesday afternoon. By the time you guys listen to this, it may be Thursday, so they may be into the second round of this one-off PGA event that starts on Wednesday. But looking at the leaderboard right now, of the top 30 players, 28 of them started on the north course only luke list at five under t9 and john rom t5 at six under were the two players that played the south course in the top 30 players i so, wonder if rom thought the south course was too easy today yeah fucking <laughs> dumbass but so it, it does give you an advantage if you because these guys that are starting out on the north course so let's see leading it right now is billy horschel shot nine under north course now, he's got to go play the tougher south course tomorrow, but he's already nine under. Yeah. He's going to make people chase him versus, like, a guy that, like, one of our, so our picks, just so you guys know, if you didn't see him on Twitter, don't follow us on Twitter, we have, both have Tony Fiena out of top ten. He started out with a nice little five under on the north course today, so not bad, T9. We have Max Mitchell's long shots, Max Homa. He is minus four at third and T31. Uh, also, T31 is my actual winner, Xander Schauffele. He shot four under. And then Mitchell's winner, Scotty Scheffler, is two under, He although he did play the south course. And my long shot, Matt Wolf, who played the south course, is one under. Finished birdie birdie. So feel pretty good about hey, that. Nice. All five of our picks are in the top 76, which make are basically if, making the cut. We yeah. need one shot from Matt Wolf tomorrow to make the cut. That's ideal. So... Not a bad start for our Big Bad Energy picks. Once again, follow us on Twitter to get those. Mitchell is on a heater. I am not. But we are going to pick some winners this year, so you might as well follow along because not only is it going to win you a ton of units, but it's an electric factory. Oh, dude, it's gol- betting on golf is unbelievable. Anywho, let's read through this top. I'll read through just 10 players real quick because um, this fucking leaderboard is a little weak at the top, I would say. Billy Horschel, um, Michael Thompson, uh, yep, Michael Thompson, Steven Yeager, Kevin Tway, Ricky Fowler, Spencer picked him the wrong week again. One D- week late. Doug week Gim, late. maybe you pick, maybe you take Spencer's picks the week after he picks them. That yeah. could be the key. Wouldn't I, be bad. I think they've done pretty well. And then Frank, Frankie Molinari, Francesco Molinari, um, and then John Rahm, Luke Liss, Aaron Wise, Robert Streb. Not a lot of like crazy household names probably like spencer said because they started on the north course me personally i think and i was just chirping my ass off but if you're list and rom coming in three or four or five shots back going into day two but you played the hard course and that's how far back you are i feel like you have to be pretty pumped about the position you're in i think i would rather start on the south play the tougher course first and kind of see where the chips fall from there. Yeah, absolutely. Advantage to them now that they played well on the South course. Exactly. Yeah. And that, I mean, playing the easy course first is nice to, to go throw a low one out, but who knows what the South course is going to look like tomorrow, you know, getting to five or six under I Rom got to six list got to five on the South course. You, I think that they are, are jumping out kind of in front of the pack. Even Peter Malnati, holy shit, there's a huge stack up at, at nine under, or I'm sorry, five under T9. Because Malnati also played the south course. He's a five under. So, but other than that, pretty much 
a lot of the guys, if you look, are anybody under par played the south course. There's not very many rounds on the, or I'm sorry, on the north course. There's not many rounds on the south course at uh, under par or well under par. So I think advantage Rom, I'd like to see him probably post a pretty good number tomorrow, and he'll get rolling going into the weekend uh, like he always does. So, yeah. And this fuck this putting fucking course. Um, all right. So we got two more segments before we finish up this podcast. We're going to start a new segment of the week um, this week, which I think we'll kind of talk about every week, but w- a new segment in the fact of like we're going to call it out. And this is going to be called PGA Tour or golf. Let's call it golf tweet of the week. So our golf tweet of the week this week comes from the legend cl- club pro guy. And if you guys don't follow him on Twitter, uh, do it. At Club he's Pro basically guy. our TikTok, but on Twitter. Yeah, he's basically us, but anonymous and way funnier. I'll admit that. He is pretty fucking funnier funny. than us. I'll admit it. So, as you guys know, last week on the pod, we talked about uh, James Duhart Prees, and he was the tallest golfer to ever play in a PGA or start in a PGA Tour event. Or Hart Duprees, not Duhart Prees, sorry. James Duhart Prees. Um, and so. After Golf Week tweeted the start of the season or the start of the tournament last week, he's six foot nine and can hit at four hundred yards. Meet James Hart Dupree's, your new favorite golfer. Club Pro Guy's response: After three days of golf Twitter swinging from his nuts, James Hart Dupree's <laughs> finishes solo hundred and fifty fifth. That poor fucker, after getting all this pub, ended up Just obviously clearly not making the cut. And yeah, what was his final? Do we have results? His final result of the tournament was. Oh, it's got to be cut. It's got to be well over par. He he only beat Jonas Blixt and Davis Love the third. Jonas Blixt, <laughs> but he he tied Phil Mickelson, who had an absolute fucking whale of a shit week. <laughs> but that's all right. Mickelson's is he's still on the right. Champions yeah, Tour. He's still right. This is just like practice for the Champions Tour, where he'll go out and fucking boat race everybody. So. Yeah, he shot um, in the third round, shot 74. It's not horrible. The second round, uh, 74. He must not be a very good putter. And the first round, he shot 76. So that's respectable. That's like. Even even on his first nine holes in the first round, and then he shot 40 with two doubles. That'll happen. Sounds like your typical round. The big of the numbers so, will sneak up on you like so that. So tweet of the week goes to our guy at Club Pro guy. Um just a hilarious hilarious oh tweet, hilarious guy. So yeah. make sure you follow uh follow us on Twitter and look out for the tweet of the week because we think they're hilarious, you're going to think they're hilarious. All right, back to a segment. Um we, this one took a week off, but we're going to get back into it and do a little fairway or four. So once again, if you guys don't know how this works, we give you guys a topic, whether that's about golf, whether it's about real life. Um, it can be about anything that we just think of, essentially. And we ask each other if it's fairway or four, meaning fairway, is it like normal? Is it weird? Is it, Or is it not weird? Is it something that you would do? Or four is obviously going to be something that's like, whoa, that's, that's completely out of, out of pocket. Out of pocket, exactly. And so our fairway or four um, from a, a couple weeks ago was... We sport- forgot last week. We just flat out skipped it. Sports franchises should change up jerseys and logos more often. That was fairway. So 53% of the people thought that we should, that teams should change up their jerseys more often. I think it's fun for branding for a team, and it's fun to get people to buy jerseys. Um, sometimes it can be a little foggy if you're changing the colors a ton. You don't really know who's where. But um, So fairway on that one. A big fairway, 77% on iced coffee is acceptable year-round, even when it's freezing like it is right now in Colorado. And then, in general, mustaches are fairway, 69% fairway. So we got uh, a sweep when it comes to the fairway or four uh, from a couple weeks ago. And this week's fairway or four, Mitchell, why don't you start us off? Okay, so um, for those of you who don't know how old we are, Spencer... I was born in 93. I was born in 95. So we grew up like right in that middle school, that weird range where you listen to a bunch of rap. Like you're just this white kid going to this fucking middle of nowhere school, listening to a bunch of like super hood rap music. 
um, like doing your math homework in sixth grade, listening to fucking I I can't even repeat some of the words because they're just so horrible. Um, but when they announce this year's Super Bowl halftime performance, I feel like a lot of kids our age kind of lost their shit a little bit. Um, and we're not kids, by the way. We're fucking full adults. I act like a kid sometimes. But it the lineup reads as Dr. Dre, Snoop Dogg, Kendrick Lamar, Eminem, and Mary J. Blige. That is the lineup for the Super Bowl halftime show. So, given everything we've seen in the past, with Janet Jackson dumping a tit out, with so many other things going wrong that could go wrong, I actually thought the weekend was pretty fucking good. And I almost feel like it's a worn out take just to hate every single Super Bowl halftime. Because I feel like everybody does, you know what I mean? No matter who it is. They're like, oh, this sucks. Like, this, it wasn't good. But, big but, could this be the best Super Bowl halftime show ever? Oh, man. Is that a hot take? That is a hot take, but from... Eminem. Uh, Eminem is... If he eight, goes eight mile, yeah, I'll lose my shit. Like, if he goes early 2000s, Kendrick's obviously dope. Dr. Dre, Snoop Dogg. Um, we'll see what Mary J. Blige brings to it. I I mean, I know she's been in some rap songs. I can't really put my finger on it. Uh, I wasn't a huge Mary J. Blige fan growing up. But this hits us, like, right in the 2006 to 2009 kind of vibes. You know what I mean? So, I know you're a huge Eminem fan. So, in your opinion... You think, in my personal opinion, this could take the cake. This could be the best Super Bowl halftime show ever because Dr. Dre and Eminem together are legendary. That's, that's legendary. They're timeless. Completely legendary. It even dates us a little bit and gets into the older, like the thirty-year-old, forty-year-old, like yeah, almost close to forty-year-olds now that listen to Eminem. So early nineties. I'm a diehard Eminem fan, so I think this could be one of the best Super Bowls ever. Yeah, I I hope the game's as good as the halftime performance. Uh, but that that is a pretty legendary lineup. It feels like the NFL kind of like picked up on what everybody wanted. It was like, give us some some absolute legends, some rap legends. So I think it's going to be electric. I just wanted to get your opinion on it because I know you are uh, quite the Eminem fan. And I think it'll be dope to see them all kind of collab, which I assume they will do. They'll probably drop in and out of like 30 seconds of songs and Hopefully they just let Eminem just go fucking wild. Uh, but he's the best, the best lyric lyricist and rapper ever, in my personal opinion. That's yeah, that's not a. I don't feel like that's that hot of a take. No, but, it's pretty hot take, but for some people, but for other people, it's like the for only our take. age, what we grew up in. I don't think it's a super hot take, but anyways. All right, my, hit me with it. My fairway or four, and so I've been eating a lot of a lot of. Out lot food out lately. <laughs> well, before this little diet that I'm on, but whatever, we're not going to get into my diet. <laughs> personally, I would love nothing more than to hear. Personally, about. I think Qdoba is better than Chipotle. Fairway or four? Is it possible to not have an opinion? Like, I really don't get the difference. I love them both. Like, so you said you like Qdoba more than Chipotle. I personally think Qdoba is better than Chipotle. I'm going to say four. Because I guess I just don't go to Qdoba that often. I would say I go to Chipotle more. Like, you know, it's a familiarity thing when you just walk in. And Qdoba is pretty much the exact same thing. But you just walk in, you know exactly what you're going to get. There's no, like, question. I I guess that's, like, that comfort zone for me, Chipotle. Yeah, but that and will Everybody raves about up. the queso. I, don't, I know you don't eat queso. I just think their chicken is phenomenally, like, it tastes different and so much better. I guess I've never thought about it that hard. But that that is a hot-button topic because people are, I, I, in my opinion, maybe I'm basic for thinking they're pretty much the exact same. But, and do you know what else I heard is that Chipotle's tortillas are better than Qdoba's. Really? Yeah. Okay, I'm not a big tortilla guy, so maybe. I I'm fucking love tortillas. Um, shocker. We should maybe do a taste test. Maybe a blind. We should do a blind taste off. Qdoba Chipotle. See if you can tell the difference. And for the record, corn salsa. I don't give a fuck who makes it. Is like a top five food for me. You could give me like 
ground beef, you could give me ground dog shit, throw some corn salsa on there, I'm in. Maybe a little rice. I like rice. Big rice guy. Big big carb loading guy. Um, but yeah, their corn salsa at both places, phenomenal. Uh, yeah, I, I don't necessarily... There was one time at Chipotle where I got some shitty steak. You know, and, and it's kind of luck of the draw, too, where they bring up that fret. I almost watch, like, if they just brought up, like, a fresh steak, I'll hop in on that. But if that shit looks like it's been sitting there for half an hour, I'll probably go chicken. Because there's higher turnover on chicken, you know. They're always refreshing the chicken, the the chicken stock of chicken. Um, I don't know. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, it just depends. It's all luck of the draw. Overall... I'm going to finish this whole world word salad that I just threw out with Chipotle is better than Qdoba because I'm more familiar with it. I'm more comfortable. It's like going home, going home. Love it. Take it on home. All right. That'll do it for this episode of Big Drive Energy. Make sure you follow us on all the socials at Big Drive Energy, at Big Drive Mitch, at Big Drive Spence. If you're listening to this podcast on Apple, this podcast, Spotify, Make sure to give us a rating, just a quick five stars if you enjoy it, a quick one star if you hate us, and we appreciate you listening anyways. Um, that'll do it for us this week. Enjoy the Farmers Insurance Open. Also, Brooks Kepka currently looks like Eminem with his blonde hair. He's a- getting a lot of pub today, so shout out to him. He looks fucking sick. He, he does look sick. I'm a big fan of the blonde hair, even though I just cut all my blonde this hair This is like off, late so. 90s, early 2000s coming back into existence yeah so he's getting talked about he's he's climbing up that pip list today appreciate you all listening we'll talk to you next week with hopefully a winner from the farmer's insurance open peace as long as we just don't cut off subjects too Full circle. You think I have time to run piss and come back up?